Thank you for listening to this recent message from the Rescue Church. We pray that God will use this message to encourage, challenge, and inspire you on your faith journey. If you'd like to learn more about the Rescue Church, please visit us online at therescuechurch.com. Well, hey, Rescue Church. My name is Chase, and this is my wife, Jacqueline. And some of you may be sitting there in the room saying, who are Chase and Jacqueline, and why are they on our screen right now? Well, in just a few moments, I'm going to get a chance to preach to you guys, and I'm really excited for what God has laid on my heart. But before we get to the message, we just thought it would be perfect and a good idea for us to say hello and hi, and we love you all to all the people back there. We were a part of the Rescue Church for five years, and it was an awesome time that we shared as we were out there in South Dakota with you guys. But about two years ago, uh, God really laid it on our heart to uh, take a position here in Lansing, Michigan as the lead pastor of Rivers Edge Community Church, and God has done some incredible things over the past two years, and we're excited about the future that he has. And uh, we just wanted to take a moment to say hi to everyone and thank you. And since I get to do a bunch of talking here in just a moment, I'm going to let my wife say a word or two. Yay! <laughs> um, no, we just wanted to really thank uh, everyone that poured into our lives over the five years that we were in South Dakota. Um, the friendships and mentoring with John and Chase, we just learned so much. Um, we learned what healthy leadership looked like. We learned what healthy staff was um, and made a lot of close friends. It was really hard to leave. But we didn't truly, truly appreciate it until we moved here and we started to put it into practice and started forming our own staff and figuring out what that looked like. And we were so thankful for the five years that we spent with you guys. Um, we would not be able to do what we're doing today if it wasn't for the Rescue Church and everyone there. So um, just thank you and we miss you. We miss uh, you. And we do think of you all the time. All the time. And hopefully you'll be able to visit soon. But Soon. So if you want to do something awkward... Chris Wellman loves hugs, and she told me anytime I get a chance that I should tell people to hug her. So when you see her after church today, give her a hug for me and let her know that she is missed and loved. And uh, I get to talk in just a moment. So thank you guys uh, for giving us this opportunity. Thank you, Pastor John and the Rescue Church, for all that you've done for our life. Uh, every life that we're able to impact here in Lansing, Michigan, you guys played a part in that and are continuing to play a part in that. So God. God has used the Rescue Church, not just in South Dakota, but all the way in Michigan and I believe just all around the world. And you, you know that. And if you don't know that, you now know that. So thank your pastor for what he's done and what God is doing at the Rescue Church. We're so excited for the future for you guys and for us. And in just a moment, we get to preach. So turn to two people and give them one high five each, and then we will get rolling. Peace. One high five. One school. Well, hey guys, we had a couple more people in our family that wanted to say hello to everyone back in South Dakota, so let's say hello. Hi, hello. Hello, hey. Who do you know that lives in South Dakota? Uh, our, our grandma and grandpa, Grammy and grandpa. <laughs> Grammy and grandpa, so we're going to say hi to you guys and everyone else. Anything else you want to say about South Dakota? Mm, no. You were born no. there, don't you love it? <laughs> yes, we're excited. Hello, we'll see you guys someday soon. Say bye, Rescue Church. Bye, Rescue Church. <laughs> well, good morning, Rescue Church. It's good to see you guys, or you to see me at least. I'm so excited to be able to have this opportunity again. I want to say thank you to Pastor John and Pastor Sam for uh, giving me this chance. I wish I could be there in person. I'm jealous that you get to see my face, and I don't get to see 
your face. So maybe what Sam could do is at the end of this message, he could get up, take a picture of all you guys waving at me. That would be nice. Like, I don't know. Like, maybe you should write that down, Sam. Uh, that would be fun for me. So uh, I'm excited to be able to, to bring a word to you today. I really believe that God has something he wants to say to the Rescue Church and to you individually in your life this morning. And I hope that uh, I don't screw it all up and get in the way. So we're going to be looking at a story from the OT. That's Old Testament. For those of you that don't know the abbreviation, story from the OT. And what I want to do today is I want to walk through this story. And as we go through the story together, I want to pull out a few things that I think would be important for us to get. A few things that I see in the story that maybe could motivate you and encourage you uh, today as we go through this together. So if you're ready, would you say, I'm ready? All right, now here's the thing. I know that only about 30% of you said, I'm ready. And so what I need for you to do to help me preach, I need you to make sure that when I ask you to say something, you say something. So make sure that the person next to you, elbow them, whatever you need to do, make sure they're paying attention. And if you're ready to begin, say, I'm ready. All right, I'm ready. Here we go. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to look at a story in the Old Testament from the book of Genesis. is the first book of the Bible. And we're going to talk about a man named Joseph. Now, this is not Joseph and Mary. We actually have to go a little further back. And I'm going to call him Joe. It's my boy Joe, not Joseph. Joe is a lot cooler, and I like that. So we're going to look at a, a, my boy named Joe. And we're actually going to start at the end of the story. And spoiler alert, we're going to tell about what happened at the end of the story and then back up and walk through the whole story together. But the very end is where we're going to begin. So here's this man named Joe. And what you need to understand about Joe is, is that his brothers threw him into slavery, and then a lot of bad things happened in his life. And, and then he comes at the very end, and he's standing before his brothers, and here's what Joe says in Genesis chapter 50. It says this. Joe looks out to his brother and says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. Joe was hated, almost killed, and thrown into slavery, thrown into prison, and it all started with his brothers. And here he goes, looks at his brothers at the end of this. 20 years have gone by, and he says, you intended all of this stuff to harm me, but God intended it all for good. God intended it all for good. It reminds me of Romans 8, 28. In Romans 8, 28, it says this, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. God can work all things together for good. I love this verse, but so many people have, have misunderstood this and, and misinterpreted this, and they say that everything is good. Everything that happens in life is good. But that's not what it says. It says that God works all things together for good. That means he's going to take the junk in your life, your past mistakes, the failures, the bad things that are happening. He takes it all together, and he works it all for your good, not for your happiness, not for your comfort, but for your good. And it says it's for those that love God. It's those that love God and are following God. He's going to work all these things in your life together for your good, and then at the very end of that verse in Romans 8, 28, it says, according to his purpose. It's not according to your plan or your purpose, but according to his plan and his purpose for you. God can take all things and work them together for your good. So I want to start with this morning. If you've got a pen and a piece of paper, you want to write this down. Um, even when things are bad, God is good. Even when things are bad, God is good. And some of you are here today and, and life is going good for you. Your marriage is great. You and your wife are connecting. Things are going swell. Your family life, awesome. You love your mom. You love your dad. Everything's moving and grooving the way it should be. Your job, wonderful. You just got the promotion or everything's going the way you planned. Your bank account has money in it. Things are looking swell. You're parenting. Your kids are obeying and listening. The first time you ask them to do something and your dog even goes to the bathroom outside. I mean, you know how important that is when you have a dog, when they do their business, where they're supposed to do their business. Everything is going good. And you're saying, man, life is good. Good. Life is good. God is good because life is good. 
But the truth is, you know and I know that life isn't always perfect. Life doesn't always feel good. And I believe there's some people uh, listening today where, where they would say that life really isn't good. They would define their life as difficult. They would say, you know, I, I don't look at my life and think it is good. My marriage is, is being held on by, by something. I don't even know what it is. We haven't talked for days. Or when we do talk, it just feels like we're always yelling and screaming at each other. My kids, they don't listen. Or my kids, they're, they're, they're going down this path, and I know that they're heading the wrong way, and I don't know what to do about it. My job, I don't like it. I don't love it. I wish I could get another one, but I can't. Financially, I'm struggling. My dog is going to the bathroom inside, and we all know that that's not good. But I want you to know that even when things are good, God is good. And even when things are bad, God is good. He was good, he is good, and he always will be good. Some of you needed to hear that this morning, that God is good. No matter what you're going through, you need to understand that. And this is true for our boy, Joe. So let's rewind back 13 chapters and understand that even when things don't feel good, even when things don't look good, even when things don't seem good, God is good. Let's check out chapter 37. Here we go. Let's go back to the beginning and listen to what is going on with our boy named Joe. So it says this, this is the account of Jacob and his family. Jacob was Joe's dad. It said, when Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flock. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. Pause for a moment. If you're about to have a kid or know someone who's having a daughter, Bilhah and Zilpah, just some good children names for you there but joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing so here's what we know about joe joe 17 year old and he's a tattletale okay how many of you were a tattletale when you were a kid i was i love telling on my brothers and sisters and getting them in trouble it made me feel better about myself <laughs> let's keep going it says that jacob loved joseph more than any of his other children because joseph had been born to him in his old age so one day jacob had a special gift made for joseph a beautiful robe other translations say a coat of many colors. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. And they couldn't say a kind word to him. Joe, 17-year-old, tattletale, daddy's favorite, hated by his brothers. Now, I, I just want to say this because I'm telling the story. Um, if you are a child in the room today, I want you to know something. Your parents have a favorite, and they're just not going to tell you about it. I love asking my parents who their favorite is because I know the answer is me. So I just want you to go home today, ask your mom and dad, do you have a favorite? They will say no, but the truth is they do, um, and it might not be you. But it was Joe, and he knew it, and his brothers knew it, and it said his brothers hated him for it. So let's keep going. One night, Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him even more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain, and suddenly my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, so you think you'll be our king, do you? Do you actually think you're going to reign over us? And it says that they hated him more because of his dreams and the way that he talked about it. Joe, a 17-year-old tattletale, loved by God, hated by brothers, but he got a dream from God. And nothing's wrong with a dream. And I just want to pause for a moment and say that if God has placed a vision or a dream in your heart and in your life, a passion for something, and you're pursuing after that, there might be people in your life that are going to come along and say bad things about you. Come along and not be excited about the dream that God has placed in your heart. But I want to encourage you that you need to follow after that dream, follow after that vision that God has put, that passion that he has placed in your heart, even if other people don't get it. Even if other people will hate you for it, just like Joseph's brothers, you need to follow where God is leading you. So it says a little bit later that Joe, Joe's bros, they got out to tend the flock. And Jacob, Joe's dad, he said, hey, Joe, I want you to go check out 
on your brothers and see what they're doing because he knew that Joe was a tattletale and he would report back to him anything that they were doing that was wrong. So Joe goes out to find his brothers and they see him coming from far away and listen to what his brothers have in store for him. So when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. And as he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him and then we'll see what becomes of his dream. So they threw him into the cistern, but they changed their mind on killing him. So check it out what happens next. Joseph, or Judah, I'm sorry, Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain by killing our brother? We'd have to cover up the crime. I and mean, this is a real brotherly love here. He says, instead of hurting him, let's just sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And so his brothers agreed. They were going to kill him, but they thought, hey, he's our brother. Like, we got to do something nice. I mean, after all, he's our brother. Let's just sell him into slavery instead. So it says here that they sell him to slavery, and then they go tell their dad that he got eaten by a wild animal. And right now, in this moment, things look pretty bad for Joseph. He did nothing wrong. He had no control over the situation that he found himself in. But you have to see what was going on. Joseph was going through a very bad situation, but, but you got to see what was happening here. He didn't have any control, but look what happens next. And Joseph, it says in, in 39, when Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar and an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was the captain of the guard of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of the Egyptian master. Our boy Joe, 17-year-old, who had a dream. He was loved by his dad, but hated by his brother. Almost killed and sold into slavery, and he couldn't do a thing about it. But it says here that the Lord was with Joseph. And I just want to remind you today that even when life seems out of control, God is in control. You may find yourself in a situation that, that you didn't ask for, that, that you don't want, that doesn't feel very good, that it doesn't feel very comfortable. And it seems like life is out of control, or at least it's out of your control. But you need to remember that God is always in control. Some may look at the situation and say that Joseph deserved it, that maybe God was punishing Joseph because he was bragging about his dreams. Maybe he should have just kept those dreams to himself. He shouldn't have been so prideful, and they don't understand the full story. That's not what's going on here at all. Some people may be looking at your situation and seeing what you're going through and say, look, you brought this onto yourself. Maybe God's just punishing you. But I just want to encourage you that maybe you should write this down, that maybe God isn't punishing you, but he's preparing you for something greater. Maybe God isn't punishing you, but he might be preparing you for something greater in store, something better. And that's exactly what was happening here. Did you catch this? Did you catch this? Look back up. It says that Potiphar, where Joseph was sold into slavery, Potiphar was the captain of the guard of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And we know the end of the story because we started at the end, that at the end of the story, Joseph is going to be second in command over all of Egypt. It's going to go Pharaoh, then Joe. Pharaoh, then Joe. Joseph is going to be second in all the command. And maybe, just maybe, if Joseph is going to be second in all of command of Egypt, he might need to know a thing or two about some military strategy. He might need to understand a thing or two about how, how the captain of Pharaoh's army handles his business. If Joseph is going to be number two, he might need to learn a thing or two. Maybe, just maybe, God wasn't punishing Joseph, but he was preparing him for something greater. We see that from this verse. We see that that's what's going on. And maybe what you're going through right now, maybe, maybe God isn't punishing you, but he's preparing you for something greater. I know this is true about life. I believe this is all I am, that oftentimes in our life, God uses our past to help us make an impact in our present. 
that there are a lot of things that have occurred in our past that we've gone through, good things and bad things, that God allows us to, to make an impact into the lives of other people based on what we went through. Maybe you're going through something right now, and, and it doesn't seem very happy or, or exciting or fun or all that stuff, whatever, whatever you're dealing with. And in the future, you don't realize that someone else is going to come alongside of you, and you're going to be able to impact them based on what you went through and how you came out. That you can say, look, don't make the same mistakes I made. Or, or let me show you how I got through this moment in my life and how you can succeed and get through this moment in your life too. Maybe just maybe God isn't punishing you, but he's preparing you for something greater. That there's something greater that he has in stores. And listen, I, I've been paying attention to the Rescue Church. I feel like I'm still a part of the Rescue Church. And even though I'm not there, I still get the emails. I still watch the messages. I still think of John as my pastor. And, and, and just to be real and open and honest, what, what, what's going on in the Rescue Church, maybe just maybe you're feeling like this doesn't feel very good. Like, I'm not exactly sure why, why, why everything is happening the way it's happening. We look around, and this doesn't feel like it's super encouraging and exciting. And maybe, just maybe, God is preparing the rescue church for something greater. And John said last week in his message, he said this line. He said that sometimes the, or the teacher is always silent during the testing. The teacher is always silent during the test. And, and that may be true, that, that maybe sometimes God is, when he's testing us and, and helping us go through a, tr- a trial or, or something in our life, maybe he's silent. But even if he's silent, he's always silent present just because he's silent doesn't mean that he's not there and maybe just maybe god isn't punishing you but he's preparing you for something greater because it said the lord was with joseph and god never turned his back on joe and we're going to see that joe never turned his back on god now it says here in in the genesis it says that joe was a good-looking fella He's 17 years old. He's a good-looking dude. And it says that Potiphar's wife, we're going to call her Sneaky Susan, Sneaky Susan, she wanted her some JoJo. And it said that she kept trying to get Joe to sleep with her. And, and listen how Joe responds. But Joseph refused. He said, look, my master puts trust with me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held nothing back from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. Joe says, how, how can I do this? I would be sinning against God. Even though he was almost killed and sold into slavery, Joseph never turned his back on God. He was still faithful to God even when things weren't bad. Even when life seemed out of his control, he still trusted God and he was still faithful to him. He said, I, I couldn't sin against God in that way. Things just kept getting worse for Joe. Check it out. In Genesis 39, 10, it says, she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of his, her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. When she saw that she was holding his cloak and had fled, and he had fled, she called out to her servants. Soon all the men came running. She said, look, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my room to rape me, but I screamed. And when he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away, but he left his cloak behind with me. Sneaky, sneaky Susan. Joseph did everything right. He was tempted and he came out strong and he, he fought it off and he tried to avoid her and he tried to not go down that path, but life still went south. Some, some of you may be going through a difficult time in your life and maybe tempted to give up or give in or forget about God, maybe go a different route just because this doesn't seem to be working and you, you just want out of this. But I want to I encourage you, don't give up on a God who has never given up on you. Don't give up on a God who has never given up on you. See what, see what God says here in a moment. See what God is thinking and what God is working, what God is doing 
In Genesis 39, 19, it says, Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and he threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison. And, and just as we saw earlier, the Lord was with Joseph, but then he steps it up and showed him his faithful love. Not only was the Lord with Joseph, but he showed him his faithful love. You may not understand it. You may not see it. You may not fully get what God is doing and how God is working things in your life. But God's thoughts are above our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. So don't give in. Don't give up. God can work all things together for your good. Somehow, some way, at some point. We may not see it. We may not understand it now. But God can work it all together for your good. You, you may have missed this, but did you see where Joseph ended up? He ended up in prison, but whose prison? It says he ended up in prison where the king keeps his prisoners. In prison where the king's prisoners are held. Wouldn't this be a great place for Joe, if he's going to be second in command to the king of Pharaoh, to hang out and learn a little bit about the king and how he does his business and how things are handled? He's thrown into the prison where the king's prisoners are held. He's rubbing elbows and shoulders and bumping chains with people that work for the king. God was working something together. God was preparing him for something that he had, something greater. So the story goes on like this, that there was two guys in the prison with Joe. One was a cupbearer. His job was to uh, drink the drink before the king to make sure he wouldn't die. Not a great job. And the other was a baker, and he baked, okay? So hopefully I don't have to explain that to you. Well, both of them have dreams, and they come to Joe in the prison, and they say, hey, Joe, we both have these dreams. Um, can you tell us what they mean? So Joe says, okay, so they tell him their dreams and they both give it to him. Joe says, all right, I got some good news and I got some bad news. Cupbearer comes to him first and said, what, what's, what's, the, what's the word, man? He comes to the cupbearer and he said, here's the good news. In three days, you're going to get out of here and you're going to be restored to your position as cupbearer for Pharaoh. Things are going to be great. And he's like, that's awesome, man. Thank you so much for telling me that I can't wait. Three days are coming. I'm getting out of here. And Joe says, hey, just remember me. Just remember me when you get to be back into your position with the Pharaoh. Remember me and don't forget to tell the Pharaoh about me and what I did for you. And the guy's like, yeah, for sure, man. I couldn't forget about you. Thank you so much. So the baker steps up. He says, oh, good news. What you got for me? Give it, give it to me. I'm really excited. That sounded awesome. He's going to get out of here, get his job back. And Joe says, well, remember I said good news, bad news. For you, the good news is you will get out of here in three days. The bad news is you're going to die. So you don't have to remember me. Just, uh, sorry, buddy. Bad news. So three days come, three days go by, and we see that the cupbearer gets out and restored to his job. The baker gets out and is killed. Everything happened just as Joseph said it would happen. And then I believe this is the saddest verse of the story. Here, here's what comes in Genesis chapter 40. It says this, the Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. He forgot all about Joe. He failed Joe. But, but get this, get this. Even when others fail you, God will never fail you. Joe's bros failed him. They failed him and sold him into slavery. Potiphar's wife, she failed him. He did nothing wrong. He fought her off. He, he was trying to do the right thing, but she failed him. The cupbearer failed him by forgetting about him. But God never failed him, and he will never fail you. Joe was right where he needed to be to see God take him from the prison to the palace. He was right where he needed to be to see God take him from being a servant to the prison to something greater. It says two years go by and Joe is still chilling 
in prison. But one day, Pharaoh has a dream. Pharaoh has a dream, and his dreams are trippy. I'm telling you, he has actually two dreams, and here's what happens. He says, um, one day I dreamed um, that seven uh, skinny cows came and eat seven fat cows. And then he woke up, and he went back to sleep, and he, and he came back, and he had another dream, and it said seven skinny heads of grain came along and ate seven plump heads of grain. And he wakes up, and he says, what in the world was that all about? And so he gathers everybody in, and he says, get all the dream people here. I need to figure out what this dream, be, dream is all about. I need to know what happens. I need to know what this means. And no one could figure out what happened. And all of a sudden, the cupbearer is hearing what's going on, and he goes, oh, no. Um, hey, Pharaoh? So, you remember two years ago you threw me in prison? And Pharaoh's like, yeah, I'm really sorry about that. He goes, yeah, no, no worries, everything's good. Um, there was this guy in there, and this dude in there, he could interpret dreams. And he interpreted my dream, and everything he said came true. And I told him I would remember him, and I totally forgot. He goes, well, go get him. What are you doing? Go get him. So it says they go and get Joe, and all that we know is that Joe had a nice beard because it said they had to clean him up and shave his beard, so I'm sure it looked very good. Joe had a nice beard. They clean him up. They bring him to Pharaoh. Pharaoh tells him his dreams, and Joe says, here's what's going to happen. What your dreams mean is this that you're going to have seven years of great, wonderful harvest, plenty. Things are going to go really good for seven years. That's the seven plump cows. And he says, then following that, there's going to be seven years of famine. So bad, so difficult, so bad that you'll forget about the first seven years of plenty. And Joe says, what you need to do is you need to find yourself someone that can organize and prepare you during those seven years of great harvest and store away all the food so that when the seven years of famine come, you're ready to go and things go the way that you need to and you can survive and get through that. And listen to what Pharaoh says. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else has intelligence, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court and all my people will take orders from you. I sitting on my throne, only I will have a rank higher than yours. So the seven years come just as predicted. Then the famine starts just as predicted, and it spreads to where Joseph's brothers live. And they come to Egypt because they know that someone has stored some grain and some food. So they come to Egypt to buy some of the food. And look who they run into. It says this, that since Joseph was governor of all of Egypt and in charge of selling the grain to the people, it was to him that his brothers came. And when they arrived, they bowed before him with their faces on the ground. 20 years have passed. We've gone through 13 chapters, and 20 years have gone by since God put a dream in Joseph's heart. 20 years ago, God said to Joseph, your, your brothers are going to bow down before you, and he tells him that dream, and it took 20 years for God to bring it and work it all together. He took the good things that happened and the bad things that happened, the slavery and the prison and the lying and the cheating and all the people that failed and all the people that hurt him. He took all that and he worked it all together for his good. Not just the good of Joseph, but the good of other people. And he brought this dream to completion his timing. God took Joseph from a slave to something greater. He took him from the prison to the palace. It wasn't easy and it wasn't always fun, but how? I, I, I was thinking about this. How, how can we know that God is a healer unless there was moments in our life where we needed healing? I mean, how, how can we know that God was a provider unless we were put in situations where we needed to, to be provided for? How could we know that God was a sustainer unless there was moments in our life where we needed his sustaining power? It took 13 chapters to get back to where we started and, and 20 years for Joe's dream to be fulfilled. But God worked it all together for good. And Joe looked at his brothers and he said, listen, you intended for harm, but God intended it all for good. 
God was, God was working this together. God had a plan and he had a purpose. And even when others fail you, God will never fail you. And even when life seems out of control, God is always in control. And even when things are bad, God is and he was and he always will be good. Joe was hated. He was lied about. He was enslaved and imprisoned. But God worked it all for good. It reminds me of a man named Jesus, hated, beaten, spit upon, lied about, and crucified. But God worked it all together for good, for your good and for my good. And God's word says this, that if we put our faith and trust in Jesus, believe that he came for us, that he died for us, and that he rose again for us, then we can have life that starts now and lasts forever. And maybe for some of you today, that's what you need to be doing. Like you're looking at your life and things seem out of control. And the truth is you need someone to bring it all together and bring it back into control. You need to begin a relationship with Jesus because that's where you need to start. But I know, I know the faces. I know the people that are sitting there in the rescue church right now. I know some of you. And I know there's many of you that already have this relationship with Jesus. And what you need to do is you need to look at your situation. You're saying, look, right now things don't seem very good in my life or in my business or maybe even in church. I'm just not sure what God is doing. I'm just not sure what God has got in store. Things just don't seem very good. And whether things seem good or things seem bad, we need to remember that God is and he was and he always will be good. And if life feels like it's out of control right now, remember God is in control. No matter what you're going through, God is good and he can work all things together for your good. And I believe that he has a future for all of us that is greater. He will never fail us and he has never failed us. So even when things are bad, God is, God is good. Joseph, 17-year-old dreamer, hated by his brothers, loved by his dad, put into slavery, thrown into prison, but comes out at the end. We see that God was preparing him all along the way, working all things together for his good. God is good. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the love that you have for each and every one of us. Lord, my prayer is that we would never forget how good you are. Lord, my hope is that even when we're going through difficult seasons of our life, we praise you. And even when things seem good in our life, we praise you. And whether things are out of our control or things are in our control, Lord, we, we remember that you are always in control, that you are faithful, and that we remain faithful to you. You're a good, good God. We love you. Thanks for tuning in to the Rescue Church Past Messages. To hear our messages live, head to one of our physical campuses or check out our iCampus at therescuechurch.tv.